Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we'll read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Mark chapter 8, verses 1 to 13, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 to 13. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about four thousand people. And he sent them away, and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. This is the word of the Lord. Once more we see our Lord feeding a great multitude with a few loaves and fish. He knew the heart of man. He saw the rise of critics and skeptics who would question the reality of the wonderful works he performed. By repeating the mighty miracle here recorded, he stops the mouth of all who are not willfully blind to evidence. Publicly and before 4,000 witnesses, he shows his almighty power a second time. Let us observe in this passage how great is the kindness and compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. He saw around him a very great multitude who had nothing to eat. He knew that the great majority were following him for no other motive than idle curiosity and had no claim whether to be regarded as his disciples. Yet when he saw them hungry and destitute, he pitied them. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. The feeling heart of our Lord Jesus Christ appears in these words. He has compassion even on those who are not his people, the faithless, the graceless, the followers of the world. He feels tenderly for them, though they know it not. He died for them, though they care little for what he did on the cross. He would receive them graciously and pardon them freely, if they would only repent and believe on him. Let us ever beware of measuring the love of Christ by any human measure. He has a special love, beyond doubt, for his own believing people, but he also has a general love of compassion, even for the unthankful and the evil. His love surpasses knowledge, Ephesians 3.19. Let us strive to make Jesus our pattern in this, as well as in everything else. Let us be kind and compassionate and piteous and courteous to all men, 
Let us be ready to do good to all men, and not only to friends in the household of faith. Let us carry into practice our Lord's injunction, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. Matthew 5.44 This is to show the mind of Christ. This is the right way to heap coals of fire on an enemy's head and to melt foes into friends. Romans 12.20 Let us observe in the second place from this passage that with Christ nothing is impossible. The disciples said, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? They might well say so. Without the hand of him who first made the world out of nothing, the thing could not be. But in the almighty hands of Jesus, seven loaves and a few fish were made sufficient to satisfy four thousand men. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. We must never allow ourselves to doubt Christ's power to supply the spiritual needs of all his people. He has bread enough and to spare for every soul that trusts in him. Weak, infirm, corrupt, empty as believers feel themselves, Let us never despair while Jesus lives. In him there is a boundless store of mercy and grace, laid up for the use of all his believing members and ready to be bestowed on all who ask in prayer. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Colossians 1.19 Let us never doubt Christ's providential care for the temporal needs of all his people. He knows their circumstances. He is acquainted with all their necessities. He will never allow them to lack anything that is really for their good. His heart is not changed since he ascended up to on high and sat down at the right hand of God. He still lives who had compassion on the hungry crowd in the wilderness and supplied their need. How much more may we suppose he will supply the need of those who trust him? He will supply them without fail. Their faith may occasionally be tried. They may sometimes be kept waiting and brought very low. But the believer shall never be left entirely destitute. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. Isaiah thirty-three, sixteen. Let us observe in the last place how much sorrow unbelief occasions to our Lord Jesus Christ. We are told that when the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him, he sighed deeply in his spirit. There was a deep meaning in that sigh. It came from a heart which mourned over the ruin that these wicked men were bringing on their own souls. Enemies as they were, Jesus could not behold them hardening themselves in unbelief without sorrow. The feeling of our Lord Jesus Christ here expressed will always be the feeling of all true Christians. Grief over the sins of others is one leading evidence of true grace. The man who is really converted will always regard the unconverted with pity and concern. This was the mind of David. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved. Psalm 119 verses 158. This was the mind of the godly in the days of Ezekiel. They sighed and cried for the abominations done in the land. Ezekiel 9.4 This was the mind of Lot. He vexed his righteous soul with the unlawful deeds of those around him. 2 Peter 2.8 This was the mind of Paul. 
I have great heaviness and continual sorrow for my brethren. Romans 9.2 In all these cases, we see something of the mind of Christ. As the great head feels, so feel the members. They all grieve when they see sin. Let us leave the passage with solemn self-inquiry. Do we know anything of likeness to Christ and fellow feeling with him? Do we feel hurt and pained and sorrowful when we see men continuing in sin and unbelief? Do we feel grieved and concerned about the state of the unconverted? These are heart-searching questions and demand serious consideration. There are few surer marks of an unconverted heart than carelessness and indifference about the souls of others. Finally, let us never forget that unbelief and sin are just as great a cause of grief to our Lord now as they were 1,800 years ago. Let us strive and pray that we may not add to that grief by any act or deed of ours. The sin of grieving Christ is one which many commit continually without thought or reflection. He who sighed over the unbelief of Pharisees is still unchanged. Can we doubt that when he sees some persisting in unbelief at the present day, he is grieved? From such sin may we be delivered. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we've heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we've just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, do we have hearts like the Lord Jesus that show compassion to others? Are we ready to do good works when needs arise and are made aware to us? Second, do we find comfort in the providential care of the one who knows even when the sparrow falls from the sky? Do we trust him to give us our daily bread in due time? Third, do we feel hurt, pain, and sorrow when we see others continuing in sin and unbelief? Do we feel grieved and concerned about the state of the unconverted? And fourth, do we realize that our own sin and unbelief still grieve our Lord? Do we strive and pray that we may not add to, but rather be delivered from such?